welcome back to the Better Man, Better Ball Player podcast. I'm your host, Trey Cobb, and I am thrilled to bring you another great episode of baseball talk that not only helps the baseball player, the ball player, but also helps the better man. And a great guest today to help us do that was Hannah Houston. Hannah is the mental performance coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. She is also the creator of the Mental Sweat Monday. You can check it out on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. She used to be an adjunct professor, faculty member at John F. Kennedy University, as well as a mental performance coach for Sport Strata in New York, New York. Um, she interned, actually, with the Pittsburgh Pirates under Clint Hurdle, as well as being a rehabilitation specialist for North Shore Chiropractic and Rehab, where she also, I'm sorry, she also did mental training with the International Junior Golf Academy. So she has a ton of experience with mental performance, uh, helping people become even the better versions of themselves. And she is just a great voice for people wanting to get better and always trying to give strategies, which you'll hear tons of strategies, tons of nuggets today full of valuable information that won't only help people as ballplayers, but help people with their life. Help people become better people. And um, Hannah just does an amazing job, and I was really thankful just to be able to have this conversation with her. And couldn't thank her enough for wanting to come on the show and talk about these strategies. If you don't follow her, please follow her on Instagram. Follow her on Twitter. Uh, It's at Hannah Huseman, H-U-E-S-M-A-N. On Twitter, it's at Hannah underscore Huseman, but it's H-A-N-N-A-H-H-U-E-S-M-A-N, Hannah Huseman. She is a great follow, followed with ton. There's no fluff. It's a matter of things that you can use, things that you can use today to help you get better. And she does that even with the conversation we had about how she's helping the Phillies, how we might implement you know, the mental game and mental skills, what kind of skills are going to help youth players and how we she would do that. Then getting into the things that we would do in daily, even for a parent. And, you know, me as a parent, as well as a teacher, uh, these are definitely valuable things that I can take in my classroom, take on my take up, take home to my kids, as well as taking on the field, helping ball players become having a better focus, being in the moment better having more control of themselves when they fail because we all know they are going to fail. So preparing them better for that. So um, just love this conversation. Hope you really enjoy it. Again, Hannah Huseman from the Philadelphia Phillies. She's the mental performance coach for them. Hope you fully enjoy it. Please reach out to her big time, great follow on Twitter and Instagram. So again, can't thank Hannah enough. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Hannah Huseman of the Philadelphia Phillies. So I played, I actually played basketball my freshman year and then I switched and played softball my last three years. So kind of a unique story, but yes, predominantly softball. <laughs> and do you feel like you, like a lot of these skills that you're teaching now, like, did you already do them or is it something that you have learned? No, I definitely wasn't doing them um, when I was playing. And the more I read about it and the more I learned about it, I was like, why aren't we implementing this? You know, why, why is no one teaching us this? Um, So that was actually what really made me excited to learn more about it was because we weren't exposed to it. So no, I really, and I, I quickly realized that all of the things I was doing wrong when I was performing. So um, no, we, I really didn't get to use this when I was playing, unfortunately. So then what is it, is it, was there like a moment in your career that kind of wanted you to go this direction or was it after your career that you wanted to kind of go in this mental performance direction? Yeah. So I, my senior year of undergrad, I actually was taking a, uh, an elective course and it was sports psychology. And I was like, like, what is this? Why aren't we using this? And then I was like, yeah, I was like, I want to learn everything about this. And so then I started doing research and found some grad school programs and decided to go get my master's, but it was just a random elective class. I was like, sure. It's something to do with sports. Like my mom actually has her master's in psychology. So she was like, psychology won't be too bad. And I liked regular psych classes. So I was like, okay, I'll do this. And it ended up rocking my world. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I got into it. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And so now you're with the Phillies and all. Yeah. And so how have like how has things changed like from where you were and where you are now, in terms of like the mental like, preparation, or in terms of like these skills? And because I think you can see a big change in like just how people like almost every big league team almost has a mental performance coach of some kind, right? I mean, so have you seen a big change? What kind of change in in terms of that the mental skill? Yeah, I mean, I think even within the last like five years, it's grown a lot. So my first internship was with the Pirates and um, it was like the only internship at its time. It was like the first time they had ever done an internship and it was kind of the only one of its kind. And now every year, every team has internships, right? In, mm-hmm. in like the five year span. And so um, it, it's growing rapidly and it's really cool how, you know, we have four mental skills coaches with the Phillies and most other organizations, um, I think almost all have full staff like full-time contracted staff. Um, and if they don't, then they just kind of contract people out, but they still have um, mental skills coaches available for all the players. So it's really cool. And and now, you know, you have anywhere from one to, I think the highest is like seven on it on an organization. Um, so really, really starting to see those numbers increase. So it, it's definitely evolving, definitely growing. And I think it's going to continue to grow and, and head in the, the right direction for sure. Yeah. So you said you have, you guys have four yeah so like and what so like and what is your role so it's having four of them does each person like have like a level or how does that work yeah so it's different with every organization um the way we do it is we have two who predominantly work with our spanish-speaking guys and we have two who predominantly work with our english-speaking guys and obviously i'm working with our english-speaking guys um and then we don't really it's hard, right? Everybody does this differently too. Some teams have a a different mental skills coach at every level. Um, Sometimes you just kind of, as soon as you introduce someone and those are, you know, the guys that you work with and you kind of follow them up. So it's kind of different for everybody, but um, the way we do it is I kind of have double A down. um, And then, so I'm technically a mental skills coordinator. um, And I, so there's two mental skills coaches, coordinator, and then our director um, and our directors with our big league team. And so it, it's, it's unique too, because you have guys going, you know, throughout the system and maybe they've built a relationship with one person. And so they kind of want to stay close with them and talk with them. Um, so it's, it's not really super black and white. It's kind of like we have the teams we mainly go visit. And then we also support anybody who, who we've made that connection with and um, support them in whatever way they need. That's, that's kind of our, our motto. All right. So you won't, so like, that was one of the things I was wondering, like, is, like, are you teaching a specific curriculum now throughout the year, or is it something that you just kind of do as needed? Yeah, so um, it's mostly on an as-needed basis. Um, you know, we have different types of curriculum and different kinds of, you know, presentations and topics and themes and all of that, but it's really based on the individual's needs and it's you know there's no cookie cutter um, answer to confidence Um, there's no cookie cutter answer to do anything and so it's a lot of kind of figuring out who that person is what works best for them and how they can implement it um, to help their performance instead of hurting their performance so it's a lot of of individualizing um, a bunch of different concepts for sure just writing it down it's good so just starting off with who the person is because I, I like you, you said you're double a down so you know when that person goes from double a and you want them to get promoted and how like what's the you know you're trying to then just I guess relay that to the next coordinator and say hey this is what clicks for this guy here's who he is and you're kind of going through those things yeah so we kind of do it in a way of we um stay in constant communication um that way if you know somebody comes down somebody comes up um it's not starting from scratch um and they do have the notes and they do have the information and then we just encourage the players to go meet with whatever mental skills coach is there you know that day because it does change and and we do rotate and if you need assistance now and someone's there like go talk to them you know we trust all of our mental skills coaches and they can all help you in different ways um so yeah, that's pretty much what it is. We encourage them to go talk to them, but then we're always, you know, if they call, we're not not going to answer. So we always support them too, if they ever want to call. And um, so it's kind of a combination of both because we can't be everywhere at once. So it's kind of like whoever's on site, like feel free to meet with them. And if there's nobody there, like feel free to give anybody a phone call um, or FaceTime or Zoom and, and all that good stuff. 
So what do you find out to be the, is there, is there a common, is there a common skill that you're always trying to develop and you see a common trait that people are needing more help with than others? Yeah. Um, there's a couple. Um, I think one is dealing with all of the unknowns, especially right now. Um, a, a big trait is knowing, um, how to control what you actually have control over and how to not let all of the things you don't have control over affect you or stress you out or create this pressure that maybe isn't necessary. Um, so it's, it's really unique in making sure that they know how to cater to their needs and take care of themselves. And, um, I say know thyself a lot, um, because again, there's no short, sweet answer and we have to figure out what's going to work best for you. Um, so, but yeah, I think a big one is just having people know what to focus on and focus on it at the right time. That's kind of my definition of mental toughness is being able to block everything else out when you're supposed to focus on one specific thing, being able to focus on that regardless of the circumstances. And so I think that's, that's a pretty common one. If you can, if you can have control over what you focus on and be able to turn it off and turn it on when you need to and, and relax when you need to and turn it on when you need to. Um, I think that's a pretty powerful tool and honestly a separator for sure. The ability to say that again, if you have the ability to, I guess, turn it on, turn it off when you're what you want to focus on. Yeah. So it's almost like a light switch, right? Like, can you turn on the focus when you need to and focus on what you're supposed to focus on regardless of what the situation is? And can you turn it off when you need to turn it off? Right. A lot of times, you know, it's hard to be locked in and stay locked in for three hours. Like most of us can't even stay locked in for 15 minutes. Right. And so it's, how do we, how do you know when you need to be on and know when you be, need to be off and take advantage of both of those? Cause you need to be, when you need to be off, that's just as important as when you need to be on, right. You gotta, you gotta let your guard down. You gotta relax a little bit, take a breather. And then that way, when you're on, you're recharged, um, easier to focus instead of just like this elongated, really hard focus and then by the end of the game you're like you know seeing doubles right because you're so stressed or you're you've just been straining for so long it's just as important to turn it off as it is to turn it on for sure so like what are some what are some strategies you you help guys with in order to give that focus um so one of the things I love to do is resetting routines um and that's that can look different for every player. Um, I think some people like to reset using find something that's always going to be there. Like look at the foul pole line, right? And if you see a foul pole line, every time you look at that, you, that's your reset cue. Um, maybe it's just doing the same thing every time um, to message your brain that no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstances are, you're always messaging yourself in the same way. Um, maybe it's a deep breath. Maybe it's a um, visualizing success for you. Maybe it's, um, visualizing bulldog mentality, right? Maybe it's, it's hyping yourself up and self-talk. Um, it could really be anything. Um, but you, that's the hardest part of mental skills is you have to figure out what you need and then when you need it the most, and then you have to remember to do it. And it's kind of funny, but like, that's one of the main things is a lot of people just forget to do it. And they're like, Oh, I forgot to implement that right then and there. And it's like, Oh, well, we got to, how can we remember to implement it? Um, and so a lot of times it's just remembering to do something. So your reset routines are mostly for how to focus, especially like after adversity or especially after something they time they fail or. Yeah, I think, I think that's when you need it most, but yeah. I think you should be doing it all the time. Right. Because if you only do something when you're failing, then you're, you're messaging your body that something's off, right. Something's different. And that's why I think it's so important people always talk about, I want to perform consistently, right? I want to be consistent with X, Y, and Z. And it's like, in order to be consistent, you have to do the same thing to prepare for that consistency. And that's where routines come in. And, and so, yes, I want you to do this when you're failing and when you're struggling, but you should also be doing it when you're doing well. So that way, regardless of the situation, right? If it's the first pitch of the game, if it's the last pitch of the ninth inning, bottom of the ninth inning, right? Game on the line or the world series, you're still going to do the same thing. Because it's when you start changing that reset routine or changing that routine, whatever it is, that you're going to, you're, you're messaging your body like something's different, the pressure's on, don't mess up, right? All of those things we're trying to avoid, which is exactly why you want to message yourself in the same way, regardless of the situation. That way your body's just like, okay, it's another batter, it's another pitch, it's another game, right? Same, 
same consistency, same routines, no matter what the situation is for sure. So you call those your reset routines. Mm-hmm. And is that, and then, so, and then what you were talking about there was like making it every batter. So that, mm-hmm. is that necessarily a reset routine or is that almost like a pre-pitch routine? Would you call that the same thing or is that different? Yeah. Yeah. You can, uh, I call it pre-pitch routine, reset routine. It's kind of the same thing, but to me, you should reset between every pitch, um, whether you're the hitter or the pitcher, um, because right. You want to, it's, it's kind of like, we take this, you can go into great detail with this, right? Like technically a reset routine should be 12 to 15 seconds, right? Because that's how many seconds are in between a pitch. And so if you really want to, you can break down those 12 seconds and say in the first four seconds, I'm going to allow myself an immediate reaction, right? Of whatever that pitch was, right? Whether you're mad, happy, whatever. And then the next four, I'm going to learn from it, right? I'm going to take away, okay, this is what he threw me. This is what I think he's going to throw me, whatever. And then the last four seconds are, the last message you want to tell yourself before you're about to swing, whatever it is, whether it's see the ball, hit the ball, whether it's the pitch you're looking for, whether it's compete, you know, whether it's whatever you want it to be. That's, and so I think it's, I think um, they can kind of be the same pre-pitch, um, pre-pitch, post-pitch reset routine. I think you can use all kinds of terminology, but I think whatever you call it, it should be happening pretty consistently in between each one. Sure. And then when you're looking at, let's say the foul pole, like what you were talking about that, mm-hmm. is that a, you call that a different routine? Like, let's say like you're spiraling out of control and you need to like get yourself back on focus. Like, Hey, I'm out of focus. I'm thinking about this and you know, I'm distracted. Do I need to get back here? Or... Um, so, I mean, that can be part of your 12 second reset routine, right? You can be doing those things and looking at the foul pole and taking a deep breath at the same time. Um, now I, I think kind of what you may be alluding to is like a, uh, an emergency plan, right? Like when things are going wrong, like what do you do when you start to panic? And I, I definitely think I call those contingency planning, um, okay. because you know, we're not, we're not planning to fail. Right. But we know we're going to fail because it's the game of baseball. And so it's really kind of being aware of, okay, I'm failing. I'm go- about to be on this downward spiral what's a tool or a strategy I can pull out to kind of stop that downward spiral. And maybe that is looking at the, the left out foul pole line. Maybe it's singing a song. Maybe it's a mantra. Maybe it's a prayer, right? Like a lot of guys are very religious, like whatever that is for you um, that maybe you can't do every single time because it takes too long. Um, maybe it's just unvelcroing your batting gloves, right. To, to show, okay, next pitch, you know, I think, I think it can be, anything you want it to be, as long as it has meaning. And I think that's the most important part is if shit's hitting the fan, right. It's, and you haven't prepared and you don't have something, it's probably not going to be that useful, but if you've already talked about it, right. Which is what a contingency plan is like, okay, when, when all these things are going wrong, this is what I'm going to do. Then you're going to have a better chance of getting out of that or, or it being shortened. Right. Whereas if you haven't planned for that and prepared for that, then you may have to downward spiral before you figure out what's going to actually help it. And so I think that's a big piece of mental skills is making sure you're being proactive instead of just reactive on everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. So like when you get, let's say you get rookie ball, you know, cause that's, that's what you got. So are you presenting them with these things and even asking them, Hey, do you have a contingency plan or do you have a reset routine? Like, are you talking to them? Like you're trying to build that language with them? Yeah, absolutely. From, from day one, we're trying to, um, you know, I mean, and the conversation starts with, have you ever done any kind of mental skills work? And you know, whether if the answer is yes, great. What, what is it? If the answer is no, um, I, I don't necessarily believe that because I think most people do mental skills work and they just may not call it that they might, they might not call it that. Right. You know, resiliency training, staying calm under pressure, um, getting motivated, like those are all mental skills, techniques and strategies and skills. And so it might not have been labeled that, but it can create really cool conversations around what they've already done. And then kind of trying to carry that over um, and even asking them what's worked for them, what hasn't worked for them um, and really figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Was there anything like, well, I guess when, and if you're looking back on your career, like, was there things that you did that you're like, you didn't realize like yourself that was part of mental skills or, and as you, as you go to learn? Yeah, I think, um, I think I was really good at, um, internal motivation. Um, you know, most people were motivated by 
wins and money and fame and followers and all that. And I always thought like, I wanted to be good for like me. Like I wanted to be good because I wanted to be good. Like no other reason, right? I wanted to be the fastest for me. I wanted to get hits for me because like I like somehow, some way, and I, I'm guessing it's because my parents kind of instilled this. Like there's so much more to life than just like money and fame and, and like that stuff is nice, but it's not forever. And that feeling won't last forever. But what does is like making yourself proud and like, and like being the best you can possibly be has always been a huge motivator for me. And like, you know, I want to be better than I was yesterday. I want to continue to progress forward every single day. And so I think internal motivation was something um, that back then I didn't really understand the value of. And now, you, you know, you see guys who have internal motivation, like, it's just like, you just naturally work harder. Your work ethic is there. Your respect is there. The grind is there. The mental toughness is almost always there. And so just because you can battle through anything, um, because it's not just the money that's dictating it, it's you that's dictating it. And I, I think that's, I think that can be really powerful when used appropriately. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That was awesome. But it's funny. Cause I had no clue, you know, you don't, I, yeah. I had no clue what I was doing back then. And that's actually the first time I've really gotten a question like that. So that's, it's cool to think about. Yeah, for sure. Like now, cause I was thinking while you were saying that is like, I was visualization was something that I, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, and I love playing defense too, you know? So like, and I never realized that I would always see myself making this and this and this and play, you know, or getting yeah. this ball here, you know? And, and um, you know, I never knew what it was, you know, but now, you know, thinking about it and I'm like, you know, visualization is such a, a big part of what you hear. And, um, and um, there's people just need to know, you know, and cause that could be something that, yeah, like I was missing a little bit of yours, you know, and then, but if, if we can put these pieces together and, and maybe try to draw more awareness to these things and that'll kind of help mold the, like I said, just help them draw awareness and get guys even better. Heck yeah. And that's, what we're trying to do. And it's funny. And like, that's similar to conversations I have with people who have like been in the field of baseball, you know, longer than I've been alive. Um, and it's like, no, we never really did mental skills training. We didn't need this back then. And then we start talking to them and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I did goal setting. We did self-talk. We did imagery. We did visualization. We, we did some kinds of meditation. I'm like, that's mental skills. Right. But they just didn't have the label on it. And now we've progressed to a world that's like, Oh shoot. Some of these are trainable. Like we can get better in visualization. We can get better in intrinsic motivation. So let's make sure we have people on here getting our guys better at this. And I think that's, I think that's the coolest thing. It's not, it's not this new, this new thing that nobody's ever done. People have always been doing it, but now we have people, they're training it, getting it better, making sure it's just as strong as your, as your physical game. And that, you know, when you get to the big leagues, my worst case scenario is that mentally you're not ready, right? Like physically you're ready and everybody thinks you're ready. And then mentally you choke or you can't perform or you get nervous or you don't know how to handle your first failure, right? Cause you're going to fall in the big leagues. And so I think, I think that's the piece that kind of the last or one of the last pieces to the puzzle. And so I, I think it's awesome that people are really buying into it and, and implementing it and, and believing in it and knowing that this is very serious. And if you want to be successful, we got to train this. We got to get better at this. Uh, that is great because, and I think there is a little bit, you know, like just with so much going on in the game and the game's trying to move forward, you know, old school versus new school, things like that. People want to say that stuff, but it's almost like that's how you're kind of connecting the old school versus the new school is just like, look, like th- these things were all there. This is why you guys were great because you did these things. And we're trying to get like, you know, this middle average road guy to that next level. I think that's pretty cool. pretty cool that you're able to kind of bridge that gap with those guys. Oh, and that's, if you know anything about baseball, like old school versus new school is very big right now, right? You have this whole new world of technology coming in and, you know, people who were born and raised in the tech world and then people who were born and raised in the baseball world. And it's like, what's right and what's wrong. And I'm a firm believer that we need both to be successful. We need old school baseball. We need like these people who have been in the game for 50 years see things that a machine's never going to see, right? They see that they're showing their pitches before anybody else sees it, right? And so I think that's vital for our success. But then the, the machine and the technology have things that the human eye can't see. And it's like, we need that too. And so I think the perfect world does exist, but 
those two polar opposite worlds have to figure out how to work together. And I think, I think mental skills are kind of mental skills. Coaches are always put in a situation where you're kind of in the middle, right? Cause the coaches talk to you and vent to you. The players talk to you and vent to you. And so you have all of this information that's confidential information. And it's your job to kind of navigate and figure out, okay, we have all of this information that not a lot of people have, right? Only one side has this and one side has this. How can we put it together and create something incredible that brings everybody together without breaking confidentiality, which is a really hard part of our job. But, you know, yeah. it's like, you can't just take that information and then throw it away, right? You got to take it and make sure our organization is getting better because of it. And so that's, that's something that's incredibly challenging, but you, you hit the head, hit the nail on the head when you said old school versus new school. And, and I, I hope that we are helpful in bridging those two gaps without a doubt. So bridging the, while maintaining confidentiality, that's gotta be tough. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But you know, in our job, right. As mental skills coaches, our job is to create these relationships and trust with the players. And if, if they don't trust us, then they're and not the going to tell us right? anything. And the yeah, coaches, 100%, right? percent, hundred percent. And so it's like that confidentiality cannot be broken because the minute they think it's broken, they're not going to trust you. The relationship is shot and they're not going to talk to you. And it's, it's vital for our success. And so my, you know, my number one priority is building trust in relationships with the players, because I think you can do your job as a mental skills coach without the, the great relationship. But I think it goes to a whole nother level when you have that depth and that relationship and that trust and that vulnerability within that relationship that now all of a sudden we're getting to the good stuff. Now, all of a sudden this player, this staff member, isn't afraid to say, Hannah, this is where I'm weak at help me. Right. Instead of like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, just surface level stuff and helping when we can versus like real hard, difficult conversations all because of that trust and, and yeah. that, that honesty. And that's what I find it to the, like, and as you like, you know, as guys are going quickly through the ranks and things like that, like how, mm-hmm. how do you do that? Like, like, how are you doing that efficiently? You know, being a build trust, build trust in something that's really quick. Like, yeah. What do you, yeah. I mean, how do you do that when it's so, <laughs> when it's so fluid, every roster is so fluid and, you know, then you got to go talk to the next guy. Going to, like, how are, how are you, how are you able to try to do that efficiently? Yeah, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, and I'm not sure I have like a perfect answer for it. Um, but one of the things I will say is, you know, we're not in every huddle, right? Because mental skills, you know, I'm not in the middle of the huddle, motivating them in the middle of the game. Right. But I am always around. And that's a huge factor for mental skills coaches is I think you always have to be around. Like, even when you're in one-on-one meetings, right? And you're up in your office between meetings, go outside, right? Stand behind the bullpen, stand behind home plate, walk around, talk, right? Because even like simple little touches of like, Hey, how are you? Three minute conversation can create like, Oh, this person cares about me, right? There's so many people around in baseball and there's so many more players than there are staff members that if you can even like show someone, Hey, I see you and I care about you. Like, not that that's a rarity, but it almost is a rarity, right? Because everyone's like, let's perform better. Let's be the best we can. And so I think the advantage we have is I'm going to show that I care about you as a person more than I care about you as a baseball player. And I think that is a unique feeling to experience in the baseball world. And so if I'm the number one person doing that in our organization, then it's almost like a leg up, like, okay, the person who makes me feel the most comfortable and like, it really has my back is Hannah because I don't have a say in if they're going to get cut or not. Right. I I have nothing to do with that. And so it's this, whereas maybe everybody else does, right. They're pitching coaches. Like they call pitching coaches and say, how are they doing? And nobody calls mental skills coach and says, cause we can't cause it's confidential. And so I think it's providing them with that space and maybe we're the one person on there who can create that. And so maybe that speeds up the process a little bit more, but I think the biggest secret is, making sure you're always around, making small touches here and there, right? Like always saying hello and then prioritizing the person over the athlete, right? So like when they walk in, I'm not like, how are you pitching? I'm like, how are you doing? Like, Mm -hmm. how's everything going? Like, how are you handling all of this? And then we get into the performance side of things, of course, because that's what I do. It's not counseling. It's not therapy. But a part of mental performance coaching is making sure the player is just as good as the, as the person and, or the person is even better than the player in, in most cases. So I think that's how you do it. It's not, I don't, I, I know you're a baseball player, but I know you're a person too. And so I think 
that's a refreshing view for them, right? It's to not be talking about baseball. Like we're going to talk about baseball and we're going to help you, but we're also going to talk about your dog and we're going to talk about your family and how you miss your family right now. And that's okay. And that's normal. And how do we handle that and, and, and supporting them on all, on all realms of, of their life almost. Sure. And they're gonna be a person longer. They will be a baseball player. Absolutely. And some of them don't realize that yet, but they will yeah. soon enough. Well, it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to be that focused yeah. and, you know, when you're trying to be elite of the elite, you know, and, and, and that, that, that goal of becoming is can be consuming, I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think the perspective that I think the great ones have as well is what really separates people too. Couldn't agree more. So I know you do some great stuff with like your mental sweat Monday. I think you just recently talked about perspective too. So like, what are something that you do? Like speaking of perspective, like keeping, keeping guys perspective on things. Yeah. So it's funny you say that because I think right now, you know, with everything going on, this is the perfect opportunity to hold that perspective. Right. And, you know, when we were, when we were at spring training, like spring training's a grind, it's the hardest time of the year and, or one of the hardest times of the year. And, you know, everyone's like, let's just get through it. Like we can do it. And it's easy to complain and get stuck in that. And, and then we got sent home and, you know, we thought we were going to be home for a couple of weeks and, I think it's been five months now, right? And it's like, I hope if we get anything out of this whole entire pandemic and everything surrounded around COVID um, is that we can have perspective because nothing's worse than having to be home and not playing the game we love and not doing the, the work we love. And, you know, we're doing it from Zoom and we're playing from home, but it's just not the same. And so um, I think perspective is huge. I think in, in everything you do and everything that happens to you, you have a choice of how you view it and how you handle it. And I think you have to know yourself and know when certain situations are going to get you riled up and when certain situations aren't. And when they are, is that helping your performance or is that hurting your performance? And then kind of being able to go back and, and know, okay, this is the perspective I have to have on this in order for it to help my performance. Because if I just have one specific perspective on this and it's my immediate reaction, it's going to hurt my performance. That's almost and like so a fixed it, mindset. Yeah, it's very similar to a fixed mindset and growth mindset, right? It's like, okay, I, I'm going to fail, right? Am I going to be pissed off? And and like, I can be pissed off for a second, but if I stay pissed off, is that going to help my performance or is it going to hurt my performance? And if it's going to hurt my performance, then I got to figure out how to shift the perspective on that failure to help me instead of hurting me. Um, which is really, really, really challenging, especially in the heat of the moment, especially under high, high stress, high pressure situations. I do uh, love growth versus fixed mindset too. Good yeah. stuff. So how do you, how, how are you uh, able to implement that within the program? Cause I was like, like I said, I talked to you about um, Catherine Rowe, you know, for the Orioles and you know, that was something that they really focused on as well. Do you guys focus on that? Yeah. I mean, I think growth mindset and fixed mindset is like in everyday conversations. Um, I think, you know, a growth mindset is basically means you can learn everything, right? You're always evolving. You're always trying to learn and and do new things. And whereas a fixed mindset is almost where you think you're as good as you're going to get. And, and there are some people with fixed mindsets. And so it's almost just educating them around awareness of the difference between a growth and a fixed mindset and letting them kind of figure out which category do I fall into and is it a good one or is it a a hurtful one? Um, And really trying to let them kind of figure that out. I think that's a huge piece of mental skills too, is like if you can let them figure it out and let them own that, then they may be more willing to change it um, or to try something different instead of just saying, Hey, fixed mindset's bad. Have a growth mindset, right? It's like, well, which one do you think you have? Which one do you think would help you more in your career and why? And how can we adjust to make sure you're, in a growth mindset more than you're in a fixed mindset. Um, but I'd say for the most part, most of the guys are in growth mindset just because to be at that level, right. You're kind of always hoping for something and and trying to search for something more, um, and gain something more and learn something more every day. Um, don't get me wrong. Not everybody is, but for the majority part, most of them are in growth mindset. So it's cool. And you know, if they're talking to me, that's kind of telling me they're in a growth mindset because they're, they want to know more. They want to learn more. They want to be better from a mental perspective. And so it's, it's cool to see them kind of own that for sure. Yeah. And maybe not even realize they're doing it. Yeah. For, oh yeah. The drawing awareness is, is key. I was just, I was just thinking that two things, like when you, when you came to that one was coaches, 
you know, and you hear like old school versus new school, there's a growth and fixed mindset there. Um, and then two other thing about coaches and cause I'm sure you've seen that the college level too, is with your job and the mental skills thing, mental skills and performance do, does the manager, do the coaches have to be as on board with it to be more successful or is it mostly just still player driven? Cause I know at the, at the lower levels, you know, it's not something that, Oh, this guy just comes in and then it leaves. Like it's not, it's, it, that's not going to fly. Um, but at, what do you see at your level at the professional level? Is it, is it different where that's, it doesn't matter if the manager really is on board. They just, they're, they're totally separate or. Yeah. Just, that's what I'm thinking. I, I just, I just started, cause when you start gr- fixed and growth mindset, I'm sure like if, you know, the guy in charge thinks that this is important, then the guys below them are going to say it's important. For sure. No. And, and so I learned something, um, back in my pirates internship that during that time, I didn't understand it at all. And now I clearly understand it. And it was the priorities, um, of mental skills in general. And number one was the culture. Number two was the coaches. And number three was the players. And like, when I first heard that, I was like, what? Like, no, players are number one priority, right? Like, we've got to meet with them. We've got to help them. But if you really break it down and think about it, and now, like, I couldn't agree with it more, it all starts with culture, right? And if mental skills is not a part of the everyday culture, then it's just going to be this weird thing that you add on at the end of the day, right? Like, hey, go go to this mental skills workshop at four o'clock at the end of the day, right? Uh, during spring training. And or we don't do it all the time. Every now and then somebody comes in and does some talk and you're hyped up for 30 minutes and then you forget it, right? It's like, it's imperative that just like, you know, strength and conditioning, um, dry work, stretching, rehab, nutrition, all of those things are a part of the culture. <coughs> and without it, you're not getting to be the best you can possibly be. And so same with mental skills, it has to be a part of the rotation. And so that's something really cool that we've been doing is like, you know, as players rotate different stations, mental skills is one of those stations. Like if you're a Philly baseball player, you're going to partake in mental skills, like no questions asked. And so I think culture is a huge piece. Um, and then number two is the coaches because of exactly what you said, right? If all of the coaches, if none of the coaches buy in and aren't for you, then it's going to be really hard to just get the players on board with them. Because like we said earlier, right? Like there's only four of us. And so we can't be everywhere at once, but the coaches are everywhere at once. And like, if you break it down, I think it's like each coach has like 15 to 20 players that like that is directly under them that they have touches with every single day that they're with all season. And if those coaches can be on board to mental skills, they can be giving mental messages too when we're not there. And, and like, they can be talking to us and say, Hey, this guy's struggling with this. What could I do? What could I say? How could I, how could I help, um, when we're not there? And, and then of course there's like, if the coaches buy in, just like what you said, if the manager buys in, if the coaches buy in, if the coordinators buy in, then all of a sudden the players are going to realize, okay, the coaches are making this important. This is another thing I need to make sure I'm making important too. Um, because this isn't just something that is available to me. This is something that I absolutely need and is necessary for my success. And they're they're concerned with it and they want me to be good at it too. So I need to make sure I make this a priority. So, and then you get to the players and then, but once you have those two things, then it should be like the players just know we're going to have mental skills meetings. The coaches back this and think this is good. Why wouldn't I do this? Right. And, and you just have a ton more buy-in when you have those first, you know, when you have culture and coaches before you have the players versus just directly trying to get the players to come in on their own. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great, Joe. And oh, man, that's great. So, Clint Hurdle, there was I guess was he the was he the manager there when you were interning? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's been very he pro, was very into all of those skills, and that's yeah, yeah. He was. He sure was. Mm-hmm. But um, oh man, that's great. So, like, do you have to have meetings with the coaches and the players then to try to keep keep the coaches, give them the strategies? Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, yep. We meet with coaches too. We meet with them to help on their own mental skills and what they do. Um, and then we also talk different strategies and techniques of like common scenarios that happen. And, you know, like they're obviously not going to be able to go in depth 
to like our degree, but they are, they're proficient in what they're good at. And so we kind of try to make them be really good at their job with sprinkling some mental skills. So like tips and, and tricks and like, even just talking about the reset routine, like having like reset left foul pole line when needed, like right. Them having that in their back pocket could even be helpful um, to support a player. And then, you know, if it's, if it's serious, um, then we've also created a path of easy um, communication, right? If this, if this coach is like, Hey, I've been working with this guy, we've um, done a couple things. I still think he needs to have a deeper conversation. Would you call him? Or I've encouraged him to call you, you know? And so that way it's like, instead of just like, Hey, how's it going? Now you have a coach involved who can help accelerate a process where maybe a player wouldn't call as soon as like they start to struggle, but maybe they could call. And then all of a sudden we know to touch base with the player. And so it's just cool that that relationship can create so many more opportunities than, than it, it wouldn't, it, than it would if we didn't even have that. So that's, that's important too. Mm-hmm. For sure. Being able to, and so like, and I love the conversation you're having with coaches. So like we said, the routines, is there anything else that really pops up that try to like you, what you were trying to give coaches, like what, like kind of, I guess a toolbox in, in, in sort yeah, um, I think routines are good. Um, mindfulness is a big one. Um, any Anything to help the players become more in the present moment, um, I think is always a big one, which we pair mindfulness and breathing with all the time. Um, so I think that's a big one. Um, and then I think another big one kind of goes back to making sure the coaches are at least helping the players know when to – press and when to not press right or what to what to give your motivation and your time and your energy to and what not to so don't worry so much about the things outside of your control worry more about the things inside of your control and and the coaches can reiterate that by like reminding them okay we're focusing on the process and not the outcome on every single thing that we do um and so i think that's a huge reminder to give them too um and they can almost always go back to that no matter what the situation or circumstance is um, okay, you're really you're really focused on the outcome right now. That's clearly hurting your performance. What could we be focusing on? You know, the steps to get to that outcome, right? The process in order to get to that outcome, instead of just focusing on the outcome alone. Huh. And when you talk about being in the present moment, um, mm-hmm. you talk about that being in the present moment. Um, what are some strategies that you allow the coaches to get? So like, what, how do you, what do you differentiate between being in the present moment kind of skills versus the reset routines? Um, so for me, being in the present moment really comes down to your self-talk, your thought process and your deep breath. Um, because I think for me, the reason I use a deep breath and the reason I tell people to use a deep breath is to solely get into the present moment. Now, part of your reset routine is to be in the present moment, right? Like, like, so the reset routine, going back to those four seconds, right? The first four seconds are evaluating what just happened, the past, right? The next four seconds are evaluating what they think is about to happen. Okay. They threw me this, here's what I think. So that's future. And then the last four seconds is pulling you back into the present moment, right? It's saying like, see the ball, hit the ball, uh, look for the low slider, whatever you're trying to hit. Right. Or, or the message you're trying like compete, 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 whatever that message is, you're pulling yourself back into the present moment. So I think, I think present moment is kind of, and should be in everything. Um, defense, offense, um, a post game stretch. Like I, I think every time, because if you're not in the present moment, you're typically going through the motions. And most of the time, if you really dissect being in the present moment, it's actually really hard to be in the present moment as a human being because there's so much going on, right? We're, we're worrying about what's about to happen or we're mad about what already happened right in the, in the future and in the past. And, and so to be in the present moment, which we know if we're in the present moment, we perform our best. um, And we know we enjoy more and we're more motivated when we're in the present moment. And so it's like, why would we not try to get in the present moment as much as possible? But it's not an easy skill because it's hard. It's easier to get into the, to worry about what happened or to, to stress about what's going to happen. Um, and it's quite difficult to get right into the moment you're in. Um, so I think they tie together really nicely. Um, but for me, that's, that's a huge factor. And almost every mental skill is being, uh, awareness is being in the present moment, right? Which I believe awareness is the foundation of all mental skills. And awareness is like knowing what's going on in your head. And you can't know what's going on in your head if you're not in your head in that moment. And so mm. I think that's where mindfulness plays a big piece too. 
And I think you have to train that off the field before you can train it on the field, right? Just oh, like you wouldn't fine. train physical skills on the field first. You're not going to implement something new in a game. Same with mental skills. Like you got to, you got to get this down before and then practice it in practice and then implement it in a game. And I think sometimes people think you can just jump in and do it in a game. And it's, it's not like that. It's just like a physical skill. You got to practice. Sure. Is that, is that, so when you're walking around practice or like early work before games, is that something that you try to practice with them at that time and say, Hey, like, do you have a, are you intentional about saying, well, you got to work on these different things with your, with your guys? Um, yeah, it's usually not like me walking around right before the game. It's hopefully happening in conversations well before the game. Um, and again, like being really, really proactive about like, what is your pregame routine? What are you going to be doing? What should I be looking for you implementing? And what should you be looking for you implementing? Um, instead of just like being right on them right before the game, like, Hey, are you doing this? Are you doing your breathing? Um, Mm -hmm. and, and again, like, I think, the best, the, the most important part of my job is I work myself out of a job, right? My, my whole job is to equip them to no matter what circumstances they're faced with, they know how they best handle them and what they need. Um, and so it's hard because you want to help in all instances, but you also can't become a crutch because mentally you can become a crutch fast, right? And they want to talk, they, they want to tell you everything. They want to, your advice on everything. And, and that's good in the beginning. Um, but then at the end, like, they got to start kind of weaning off and, and like making it themselves and they know it. They just kind of want to have a conversation about it, which is great too. Um, and I think super powerful and serves great for reminders, but we're not going to be there. Right. I'm not going to be on the mound during, during the shit storm of a situation. You are mm-hmm. only you are. And so you have to be able to come up with these things on your own. And if you can't, then we're not doing the right things. And we need to simplify or we need to change it up a bit or, you know, figure out how are you going to be able to do this without me, without a coach? It's just you. It's only you up there. Um, and, and how can you, how can you make that work? And I think that's why, I think that's why mental skills is so awesome in baseball because there's so much time where it's just you and you, right. That's it. And you really have to know what you need and how to give it to yourself when nobody else is going to give it to you, whether it's confidence, motivation, composure, resiliency, whatever the skill is, like you have to be able to create it yourself. Um, because nobody else is going to create it for you. Sure. Got to be your best coach. Yeah. That's really good. Best critic, best critic and best fan. Mm-hmm. Got to be you got to be your biggest critic and your biggest fan. Yeah. And I love how you said you work yourself work yourself right out of a job. I think that a lot of counselors and things like that we forget that that's the purpose, you know, and mm-hmm. and knowing those kind of things and it's nice to people are trying to want help but like at the same time like you got to figure this out. I love how you said work myself out of a job. I've never heard that. It's really it's really good. Yeah. So that's good to keep that perspective for sure. For sure. No yeah. doubt. And if we're not, then we got to make some adjustments. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into that, like a yeah. little, little bit of like, how would you do this? Okay. So like, let's say you're back in high school, you know, or teach going to coaching uh, high school or, you know, little league, how, you know, how soon are you, how soon are you trying to develop a routine and talk to guys about taking deep breaths and, those kind of things. I love this question. And I don't know if there's a set answer, but I know you can start talking about it at an early age. Um, and mental skills is weird, right? Because you can't really force mental skills, right? Like some drills you can force it on them, but like when you force mental skills, sometimes you could do more damage than good. Right. And, and so it's, it's like, you got to dance with them instead of like wrestle them to the ground and make them do certain things. And so you know, when I introduce stuff, I'm like, look, it's going to be weird. It's going to be funny. It's going to be awkward. If you're going to laugh, that's okay. Laugh, but try to bring yourself back to whatever it is we're doing. Like, you know, and I'm not going to get mad about that. Um, but I think I worked with, I think it was 10 and 11 year old boys and it was like seven or eight of them in a room. And it was a nightmare. Like you can't like in a room inside trying to do it like pens clicking constantly. Like it was really, really challenging. And so I commend anyone and everyone who work with children because I think I think the power in mental skills lies in the depth of it, right? It lies in the why are we doing this and how do you actually do it instead of just the what do we actually do? And like with kids, like, you know, you really can only explain the what and, and they just can't really process why do we have to do this and how do we actually do it? Okay, take a deep breath. Okay, I did it. I don't know why I did it and I'm not really sure how to do it, but I did it. Right. And so, but I think you can always implement it. And I think, I don't know, maybe around the age of like 
13, 14 is where I think it could really start um, because they're at the age where they can have a, a somewhat depth conversation about it, right? And and understand that we're not just doing this because we're told to do it. We're doing this because it can impact greater things in our career. Um, but I think, you know, even having, even having 10 and 11 year olds just sit in the grass for one minute, just lay on your back, listen to your breathing. That's it. Like, okay, great. Get up. Here we go. Let's go. Um, I think, I think introducing them to concepts and, you know, even if it's something as simple as like, um, knowing like routines, right. Or just like make your bed in the morning. Right. Or, um, we're going to put our socks on before our shoes. Um, like those are all like foundational skills, um, leading to mental skills, right. Organize your room, clean your room. Right. Like, and, and I think if you can instill some of the, like every day, maybe things that mental skills take or could use, could be used in, then all of a sudden, you know, we go from, okay, why do we do this? Because we've always done this, right? We, okay, I know I make my bed. Okay, this is why you do this. I know I have my routine in the morning. I have to brush my teeth before I go to bed. Now I know I have to take a deep breath before I take this swing. Um, and, and so I think it's really just kind of finding ways to implement it in everyday living versus maybe just sports. Um, maybe that's the disconnect, right? And because it it's like a no-brainer to teach people how to do things off the field. But maybe when it comes to kids, instead of like, only programming mental skills to be connected with sport, maybe mental skills should be connected with life. And, and like, let's start focusing on how we studied instead of the grade we got, right? Well, what happened, right? Why did we get an A on this one and a D on this one? Let's go back and look. And then if you, and then it's like, all of a sudden, maybe one day they have this aha moment of like, wow, okay, all of these things, you know, process versus outcome, um, priorities, time management, um, routines, taking care of myself, all of a sudden roll over in a mental skills. And now we get to take it up 10 notches, you know, and, and, and implement it to the 10th degree of making it specific for baseball and their routines and what makes them better for that. I've never really thought about it, but I think that's, I think if you can implement it on a daily basis in little ways that they may not even be aware um, of what they're doing, then that's kind of the best way to start instead of like, Hey, we need to sit down and do goal setting because that's what mental skills coaches tell us to do. Like, I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Right. right. Uh, maybe, maybe you have them write down one goal and put it on a sticky note and put it on their bathroom mirror and don't really say anything about it. Right. And then all of a sudden you're teaching, you're ingraining that one of the biggest skills of goal setting is writing it down and putting it somewhere you see every day, mm-hmm. but they may not know why they may not know why that's important or how it's going to work, but they know we did it. And so then it's like, oh, when we get to real goal setting, then we get to, so maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just implementing it in small ways in everyday life. Mm-hmm. Well, I like that because I mean, I like being, you know, like the whole podcast about being better men, better ball players. It's just through that, through my being mentally tougher, me, me being physically better, typically if I'm a better person, that then also leads to me being mentally tougher, being physically better. Yeah. You know I mean, so like you're looking at, if yeah. I do make my bed, if I am brushing my teeth, if I'm having good night routines, if I'm having good morning routines, those typically lead over to me having good, you know, or easily being able to get them done on the yeah. playing field, whatever that might be. Yeah. Or maybe it's even like not having electronics at your kitchen table for dinner. Like we're, we're prioritizing being present, right? We're all going to be here right now, whether you want to be here or not. Mm-hmm. like like things so simple as that and it's funny because even saying that like I look back and like we my family sat down at a kitchen table every night growing up no phones nothing right and it's like w- we were instilling like being in the present moment and we had no clue I don't even think my parents knew but they knew that's what they wanted to do you know and so I think it's I think that's actually where the value comes I'm going to think about that and kind of create a list of like 10 or 15 things I think like you can do with kids on a daily basis to start yeah. implementing mental skills. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. To be able to when I come up with more, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. But, no, but like, cause I know like even our school, like, you know, I teach seventh grade, I teach seventh grade. So, you know, but I know our, our principal and things like that want to teach mindfulness, you know, want to get into mindfulness and, and, um, but it's basically like what you're saying, like, all right, let's just take it. Let's take a minute. Just take some deep breaths and it's all we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think at I think at the middle school level, when you, they need to know why am I doing this? Because mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that if I don't want if I don't know. 
why, mm-hmm. you know, and I think coming from a person like you or somebody like that, like, Hey, like this is pretty important, you know, and here's why mm-hmm. we do these things because of our brain and all the science behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, and then also too, because we have to get our teachers on board with why in the world, am I going to take time out of my schedule to do this? Mm-hmm. And we, we do that with, you know, coaches. And one of our big things that we implement with the Phillies the last couple of years is encouraging the, the guys, the players to ask why. And it lets them understand at a deeper level, but it also challenges the coaching and the staff to know, like, we're not just implementing this to implement something. You know, we don't just see something on Twitter and implement it. We want to know the science behind it. We want to know why are we going to do this? Is this going to work? You know, and be able to explain it in a way that the the players understand it. And that way we're all like, we're all growing because of that. And like, they're growing, we're growing, we're continuing to grow, right? It goes kind of back to growth mindset, but that's vital. Like, and, and, and the older they get, the more people want to know why, and the more bought in they are when you have a good reason for why or how we do something. Like, if you know the why and the how of something, like, you don't question the what. Like, you're like, okay, I get it. I see the benefits of this. I know exactly how I'm supposed to do it. Let's do it. And, and versus just like, because I said so, or because mm-hmm. it's always been done this way, which is no longer an acceptable answer, at least in the baseball world. That's not. It's not, not mm-hmm. really in the parenting world, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy, but I think that's even, even in the best leadership world, I mean, the best leadership is, yeah. is really going to start with purposeful. I don't see why you're doing something if you don't have a good purpose behind it anyways. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, goodness gracious, we're nearly an hour in already. <laughs> um, so, but, um, I mean, Hannah, so like, I guess the advice, uh, the, the advice you were kind of saying is, is about you know, 13 and 14, I guess they're saying the end of middle school, middle school age is about trying to um, start getting into the why and, and things like that. And I know, cause like my kids are nine, you know, and I, and I love what you said about like, and I haven't even thought about that. Like, cause yeah, we don't, we don't allow those things at dinner table and just to mm-hmm. be present, you know? And I'm like, that's, that's great. You know, we are trying to teach them to be present. And um, I know my wife is great about like all her routines and and things like that. And we're telling our kids, when you get up, this is what you do, duh, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and uh, my son's, uh, my son loves playing baseball. And, um, you know, you see him taking deep breaths and those kind of things, you know, we take deep breaths when we're getting out of control. And, you know, we're like, you know, let's just, let's just take, take a time out here and you know, just take some breaths and mm-hmm. get yourself under control. So, and that's kind of let in. It's not like I've told him, Hey, you need to take a deep breath every time. Like you don't throw a strike. You know? Yeah. But it was just like, you know, cause right now it's hard for them as young kids to, to deal with a lot of failure, you know, yeah. kids, kids cry, you know, and it's, it's good to see them yeah. take a deep breath. But I think yeah. like what you're saying is perfect. Is like, you know, it's a matter of what do you do on a daily basis at home that would allow that. And those are the things that, that you know, I talk about mental health, you know, and I don't, and I don't really like mindfulness, but like those things are just like, they are, they're mental skills. And I think, I think mm-hmm. that even the simplest terms of that will be, that's the conversation that people could be having is just as there's good mental skills to have when, things aren't going well when I take a deep breath or when you're not here to like just put your stuff away to be more in the present moment. Um, those are, those are great. I think, I think that's a, that's a whole nother, almost a whole other topic we get into too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's great. I was, I just had a thought too, you know, it's like maybe you start, you know, practicing self-evaluation at the house too. Like, Hey, what, what's one thing you did well at school today? What's one thing that went well, right? Because self-evaluation is a huge mental skill too. And most people are really bad self-evaluators. Like they Mm -hmm. either think they're way better than they actually are or way worse than they actually are. And so it's like, can you start instilling like good evaluation? And then when you're, when they're evaluating themselves, like make sure they're evaluating things that they can actually control versus like, I got a home run today. Hmm, Well, that's cool. But what, what, what did you control about that? You know, what, what was in your power of that? Why did you hit a home run today? Right. And really, starting to refine their mindset and like to look at the process instead of the outcome, because everything else in the world is messaging us to notice the outcome, right? What, what were your grades? What's your GPA? What's your batting average? What's your ERA, right? All of these things. It's like constantly telling us what our outcome is and nobody focuses on the process. And if you can start like really honing in on the importance of the process, like here's why we make our bets. Here's why we don't have things at the table. Here's why, here's how you made an A on this because you worked, like if somebody comes home and makes an A, maybe instead of being like, nice job, being like, I know how hard you worked and how many hours you are. I saw that and 
that was incredible hard work. Like, right. Commend the hard work, not the A, right. Like, and I think that's really interesting. Um, if you, it, and comes down to parenting, I'm like, what are you praising? And, and are you being consistent? That's my biggest advice when, when talking with parents, it's like, be as consistent as possible and praise the process. Like, don't, don't always praise the outcome, right? Don't, cause you hit a home run. We're going to go get a snack today. We well, struck out three times. So no snack today. It's like, what we're instilling to only worry about the outcome. And it's like, what if they went over three, but they battled every at bat, right? Like, Hey, I really saw you battle. I saw you have a good attitude and you worked your tail off. Let's go. Like, that's what we're going to reward. Like mm. we're excited. Or you struck out. And then the next at bat you battled, you came back. You weren't upset. You didn't cry. Like, that's amazing. Like you said, can put like, let's, let's um, reward and acknowledge the things that they actually have control over, which is attitude, effort, you know, preparation when they get older, things like that. I think that's, I think that's like immeasurable. You can't, if they can figure out that that's the important stuff early, then it's going to be a lot easier late in life. I think, especially, especially in like high pressure situations and high elite level sports and elite level businesses, you know, all of that stuff. Attitude, prepar- attitude, effort, preparation. Yeah, that's ape. I always that's say ape. control your ape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. So are there any, um, so like, oh, Hannah, this has been great. It's already been an hour. So I, I want to respect your time and things like that. But so like if, if I'm going to, because there are so many great things here. If anyone wants to kind of reach out to you, um, best way to follow you or maybe contact you to even learn more about great things you're putting out there. Yeah. So um, I'm big on Instagram and it's just Hannah Huseman on Instagram or um, Twitter is Hannah underscore Huseman, I believe. Um, those are the best ways to reach out to shoot me a DM or anything. If you have any questions, um, I'd be happy to answer. It's Hannah underscore, under, right? Hannah underscore. Yes. Huseman? Yes. For Twitter. Yeah. That's awesome. It's so awesome. It's awesome. I was funny. Yeah. I just one last thing because I know the one time you were just talking about beat the sub evaluation stuff, which is really cool. Because I know that the one of your latest another uh, Monday message was about the uh, about that about how we only focus on like that one one negative mm-hmm. thing out of mm-hmm. what you know the whole day or our whole self, you know. And and uh, I'm sure with baseball, it's just like that, you know. Because I mean, I'm just telling you're great. Like you're three for four. Well, you know, you want that one, you know. You yeah. Just, how do so? What are some ways that you're helping guys? De- you know, even anyone deal with that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's challenging, right? Because you're you're trying to balance, right? You always want to get better, right? And that's good. And I think in order to be the best, you have to always strive to be better. Um, but I think that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier was you have to be your biggest critic, and you also have to be your biggest fan. Like when you go three for four today, you should be the most hype person out of everybody, right? All the fans who are like, this guy's rocks, this guy's awesome. You have to be able to do that too. And so, and like, because if you don't, then you're always going to be focusing on the negatives. You're going to get into this perfectionistic mindset where you're never going to, you're going to go 10 for 10 and not be happy. Right. And it's like, at what point are we okay? And, and like, no, I don't want you to be satisfied, but you know, and I'm not talking about be the guy in the locker room screaming, you know, running around with your shirt off, making a scene, but I'm talking at the end of the night, right? Routines, brushing your teeth, like looking yourself in the mirror and just being like, heck of a day today, like really good work today, you know? And like, I'm proud of my work today. Could I, could I be better? Always. We can always be better, but today was a freaking good day. And I think, I think that's a lot harder than people think. And it is. it's funny. Cause you have the guys who are like, you know, the arrogant ones, which are few and far between, but sometimes that's all we see. And so, but majority of the guys are like, I can always be better. And so I challenged them, like, tell me something you did well today, like something you did well. And like some of them, it's like, I I don't know. And I'm like, you're not leaving the room until you tell me something you did well today (laughs) because their mindset is so fixed on, I can always be better. They can, they can tell me 25 things that they need to get, they need to work on for that day. And so I think that's why even going back to like at dinner table, tell me one thing that went well today. Um, and, and then maybe if you have somebody who's overly confident and always talking about what they, tell me one thing you can improve on from the day, right? It's like something so simple as that, but no, you have to know who the person is and then you have to know how to balance that out because you're, if, if you don't find the positives, if you always find the negatives, you're going to freaking burn out. You're going to not last as long as you possibly could. Like even the best of the best are able to have a good time. 
right? And and you don't enjoy it when you're mad, when you're constantly trying to be better, right? Like you got to enjoy it. And and I think that's a big piece of it too. So it's it's pretty important. It's pretty important to be able to step back and, and be your own biggest fan. And I know, I know people don't like to do that, but I'm going to, I'm probably going to say that till I die, but like, you have to, you have to be your biggest fan and, and your biggest critic, no doubt. That's awesome. If you want to be the best. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And you are on your way to being the best. That's for sure. You know, you so I, <laughs> I really appreciate your time. I love your passion. I love it. And, uh, thank you know, it's, you. it's definitely, um, energizing and I really, I really thank you for the time today. For sure. You bet. Thanks for having me. It was a Big thank you to Hannah Huseman, mental performance coach of the Philadelphia Phillies, for coming on today and having a great conversation filled with valuable things you can not only take onto the ball field, but you can take off of it. Things that if you continue to do, it will help you on the ball field. Things that will allow you to have more enjoyment of the game, more enjoyment with your life. I love how she talked about the definition of, of her for being mental performance or the definition of being mental tough is about having the ability to turn your focus on and off and knowing which things to focus on. It's a big separator. And it's just as important to turn things off as it is to turn them on. I love how she talked about how she's trying to build relationships and build trust with her players because she needs to know that. But she also knows that you need to know yourself, spend time with yourself, knowing what works for you. Okay, and I love how she's giving all these examples and we're trying to create awareness so people then can figure out, okay, what does work for me? She loves routines. There's reset routines. I love how she talks about routine, re- reset routines and contingency plans. These are things that people have, I feel like they can visualize them even better too. When you have a reset routine, you're trying to reset each pitch. Okay, a contingency plan. You know the contingency, meaning that's what happens when things go wrong, as I know things are going to go wrong, and what's my plan for them. So, and it could be anything. Again, knowing yourself, knowing what works for you, and then you work your plan. Knowing that things has to be has to be practiced outside. They have to be practiced outside of the game. They can't just be something we just talk about. We need to then, I love that she got into the fact of how we as parents how we can do things that will build our youth to then create them in the game, such as when I don't allow people to bring cell phones or electronics to the table, we're focusing on the present moment. So that's going to help them in any other circumstance to be more present when they have to fulfill a task. And then when I have these routines when they wake up or when they go to bed, that then I'm giving helping them create better routines when they're on the free throw line, when they're at the plate, when they're getting ready to throw a pitch after pitch after pitch, they have a routine. Because those are the guys that don't get bothered by the pressure. Those are the people that continue to make each pitch what it is. It's a pitch. And don't allow it to get filled with them. And I love how she said, I love, I know how you work so hard for that A. Now we're focusing on the process, not the outcome. What you did to create that good outcome. The outcomes are important. We need them. They need their, their focus. They are our guiding, guiding light, our North Star, so to speak. But, but the most important focus and where we put our daily attention is the process and how we're going to get to that outcome. So again, Hannah Huseman from the Philadelphia Phillies, mental performance coach is a rock star, and I can't thank her enough. And please check her out on Twitter, Hannah underscore Huseman, or on Instagram at Hannah Huseman. So until next week, keep getting better. Thanks for listening.